Here's Danny. <laughs> Gotta get ready. Gotta get ready. <laughs> Welcome to Slasher's Paradise. That's Danny. I'm Lance. That's Today Lance. we're talking about Halloween 1978, John Carpenter's Halloween. And we're talking about the whole franchise, but today we're starting with Halloween 1, Danny. It's the granddaddy of them all, Lance. It's the godfather of slasher films, it's right? It's the one slasher film that set the set the bar for all slasher films to come. Wasn't yeah. the first, technically. Got to give the credit where credit is due. That would be Black Christmas. Yes. Um, but Halloween 1978 definitely launched... Uh, catapulted the slasher movie to what we know it is today um, and it was what birthed my love for horror movies not yes. only that but my love for Michael Myers Halloween 1978 Lance is my favorite my favorite and quite honestly what I herald as the best movie of all time beautifully said across the board Across the board. Across this is the your... board. This is my. This is my Mount Everest. This is my Mount Olympus. This is my mountain man. Oh no! <laughs> Our poor, poor mountain man. Oh, foreboding. So okay, on your, on your, your statue is, is the statue going to be John Carpenter's face? Is it going to be Deborah Hill's face? Is it going to be Michael Myers' face? Or is it going to be the face of Loomis, Donald Pleasance? Yes. All of it. Okay. <laughs> Just the Mount Rushmore of Halloween. It has to be the first two that you mentioned, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, who uh, are the team that brought us this right. creation. They were the ones who thought of the concept, uh, the story, the script. Uh, was a um, They were a couple at the time. Um, but uh, Deborah Hill no longer with us. Uh, John Carpenter is uh, still as... Uh, <laughs> As uh, salty as ever in salty, his, uh, bitter, in his uh, old, olden age, but he is uh, he, he is widely considered one of the the Godfather, and if he's the Godfather, she'd be I guess the Godmother of the slasher movie. Um, so much so much good stuff came from this movie, and uh, not only did it give me what I love today, which is my affinity for horror, but it gave me my I guess uh, you know some people you know like they, they like their superheroes like yeah. you know batman superman iron man or whatnot my superhero you know in a weird way in the sense of like i have all the collectibles it was the first mask i bought for halloween i was him every year for halloween <laughs> michael myers it's yes. just that the boogeyman it's the coolest thing it's the absolute coolest thing yeah I, I totally agree. And you, you mentioned the superhero thing before. We've kind of talked about this, but I always drew the same parallel where it's like there's Batman at the time when I was a little kid. Batman, Robocop, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees. They're all in that mix. But Michael is just the fucking coolest. He is. Of them all. And he doesn't say a word. He doesn't have to. We don't care. It does. I mean, you know. Neither does Jason. Right. But there's something else about Michael that just he solidified his ability to speak volumes without actually speaking yeah and th there's such a sense of realism not only in the first movie but the franchise and this is like one of the first franchises that tries world building you know what i mean sure. like we try to progress each thing we try to continue this story we have some of the same actors and characters continuing on which is really cool and something that i love and enjoy and defend to this day which we will go back and forth on yeah. about <laughs> Which is fine. We, we may get a little tiff here and there, but why not? World building it was kind of unheard of for the most part back then. We had Superman in those times, yeah. whatever. But in the horror world, 
we just didn't have it which was so which is so actually i think what's uh, again what i what really what i really love about how much this inspired and you talk about superman that had a huge i mean with the with the christopher reeve movie had a huge budget you know mm -hmm. I'm, I'm it was backed right. by a big production this did not it had a three hundred and twenty thousand dollar budget it was an independent film. It was a guerrilla crew. Everybody right. was just doing everything. The produce, the production designer, the editor, they were. Uh, th th I'm talking about Tommy Lee Wallace. That's the same person. He cut the pumpkin that you see in the opening credits. Uh, you know, the the star. And well, in in a sense, introducing this movie also gave us one of the most awesome actors of all of our time in Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. This is her uh, breakout role. Jamie Lee Curtis being horror royalty, daughter of Janet Lee and Tony Curtis. Janet Lee, of course, is the, you know, the, the original, one of the OG scream Queens from psycho. That's, right. That's her mom. That's her mommy. Mommy. That's her mommy. <laughs> mommy. I want to be in the movies too. <laughs> Did you know that Jamie Lee Curtis was, uh, well, they had asked if she would uh, audition for, the Exorcist. Really? I yes. did not know that. Yeah, she uh, she said that um, it was because they were asking about how she felt about, because she acts a lot with kids in this movie, right? Mm -hmm. And in a little bit, I'll give the synopsis about, you know, for those of you that have not seen Halloween, first of all, you're dead to me. Second of all, uh, you should, <laughs> yeah, we'll tell you what it's all about, the actual movie. But they were asking, you know, you're working with kids and stuff like that. Well, what is, she actually doesn't really enjoy it particularly working mm. with kids it's not that she hates kids that's not true she has kids of, of her own it's the fact that she thinks that kids should be kids she, right. kids should be allowed to be kids and when they're on, when a kid uh or a child is on a movie set there's a lot of that there's a lot that's expected that's like being a grown-up right right yeah so uh when the thing when the audition came through about the exorcist she praises and loves her mom for that her mom was able to be that you know her, be her mom about it she was mm. like no right you're not doing that movie good so, for her good yeah. for her absolutely we who knows what would have i know we might not her. have jamie lee curtis the scream queen of the 80s absolutely we might yeah. not have laurie strode and, and such a great light all right daddy are we done talking about the franchise for a moment for a little bit we're gonna dive in to the halloween movie yes give us our pumpkin spice latte of course pumpkin spice latte surface review of Halloween 1978 or synopsis, whatever you want to call it. Uh, 15 years after murdering his sister in cold blood in 1963, Michael Myers is now an escaped mental patient. He has escaped and is now returning to Haddonfield, Illinois to wreak havoc on the town that he once uh, was a citizen of, but also scared the shit of. So now an older Michael Myers donning a Halloween mask is stalking babysitters and uh whilst his doctor sam loomis played by donald pleasance is hot on his trail trying to stop him with the help of the local sheriff uh michael myers is stalking babysitters and picking them off one by one with eventually uh a final clash maybe with jamie lee curtis's character of laurie strode uh yeah when I say 15 years after he murdered his sister, yeah, you, you, did, the, you did the math. If you, there was math to be, to be done. He killed his sister when he was six. Six. Six years old. Six years old. A six-year-old clown-costumed Michael Myers decided, you know what, sis? I don't like you anymore. Time's up. <laughs> Time's up. She's uh, she's supposed to be watching him on Halloween night. It happens on Halloween night, right? Does, of yes. course. Uh, thus, the 
the title of the movie. Which but my, no movie had had the title Halloween in it up to this true. point. Which is very cool Fun because fact. you're like, no, no movie had had Halloween, but movies had had holidays in their names. I mean, we just talked about Black Christmas. Yeah. But at, if, if you notice after Halloween and after Black Christmas, then you got a shitload of movies with, you know, you oh, know yeah. all about holidays, you know, New Year's Evil and April Fool's Day. And, you know, I think there's a Father's Day or something like that. Uh, they need to make yeah, a, a Flag Day uh, horror movie. And I believe there is one. On I YouTube. mean, I know there's one about <laughs> Uncle Sam and the Fourth of July, but they need to make a Flag Day one. It's just, you know which flag are you putting in your yard and can I kill you with it sort of thing. Okay. Interesting. Uh, you know what? Copyright uh, owned by uh, Slash's Paradise, that idea. So anyway, you, can, you can't have hey, it. Sorry. 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 Written by Danny <laughs> Gonzalez himself. Uh, okay. So back to Halloween 1978. It, 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 yeah. He's a six-year-old boy in a clown costume, was trick-or-treating, but he's, you know, he, he's, normal kids go out for candy. He's going to go out for some kills and thrills. That's right. So... Judith Myers, his sister, is upstairs, which we, we see her downstairs through the point of view of the mm -hmm. killer, which is how this movie opens, which is so cool. Yes. Let's it's, talk about the opening. The very first scene, the very first shot. The very first film. shot you see is an opening of the of the actual house, the Myers house, which would be very important later. But you see it in its, you know, normal state. It's nice enough looking house in suburban America, right? right. It's supposed to be set in Illinois. We get this great moon blue light splashed on it and we're also greeted by this terrifying like synth piano Ooh, sting yes. with the house yes. this is a first shot we get and what's what i love about this is eventually this becomes the haunted house of this small town of hattonfield and this is like the origins of the haunted house and that's what the shot signifies to me is like this is when it happens this is when hattonfield changes and now you're going to watch what happens it's the genesis of the haunted house yes. of this town it's the it's the beginning very well said i mean i had a haunted house ish sort of thing in my i mean we had el cucuy where i'm from we, yeah. but i mean i saw him and he's he's terrifying <laughs> you I mean, saw him yeah yeah he I, I sent him a card here and there but yeah <laughs> what well, we all come we mailbox. both come from smallish towns yeah. that had their legends and all this kind of stuff but this is the this is when we're seeing the origins of it this actually happened in Haddonfield. So we see the origins of the boogeyman, the boogeyman, the boogeyman. Yeah, we say that a lot because he's uh, Michael Myers is going to be referenced by a lot of names. Um, Michael Myers is who he is. But as he grows up, he's, uh, you know, the kids will call him the boogeyman or they're referencing the boogeyman is like maybe it is Michael Myers, but maybe it's. You know the the you know the boogeyman is everywhere. It's right. like the, the, the he's gonna get you sort of thing. Yeah, but the he's idea also, of just this dark character somewhere, right? Right. But most importantly, you will hear him referenced as the, the shape. shape. And the reason he's referenced as the shape is because that's what he represents throughout most of the movie is just this shape that you know travels and moves through the corridors and you know he's just around and he doesn't really have a face because he's wearing a mask and then when you actually do see the face what is it it's emotionless it's, yes blank it's pale blank human white motion so anyway we see michael's point of view and you know he sees judith it's a beautiful long establishing point of view shot that you really don't know who it is you just know that it's someone who's watching right and then uh, it makes its way from viewing or uh, observing, right, from on the outside, goes all the way into the inside. Uh, you see the uh, him pick up a knife. You're still, you don't know if it's a man, woman, 
child. You don't know anything at this point. You just know that someone's got a knife and is, uh, w- oh, you know, watching this this couple mm-hmm. uh, who allude that they're going to go upstairs and get busy. You know, <laughs> they're going to get they're going to get down to it. And you're like, all right, so you're going to go up. And you're going to get busy. I probably have what maybe, you know, they're in high school. I got about maybe five, ten minutes to kind of, you know, get my stuff going. Now, as soon as he comes in, <laughs> by the time he hooks to the side, the slowest or, or quickest sex scene in history is done. The guy's coming down the stairs after having canoodled post-coitus, right? As you- it, it's so fast that we don't even... We're we're following this character and it's done before we can even get to the stairway. I mean, so like they I mean, go upstairs, they come down. I mean, it, the boyfriend is done. He got his, and he's almost like coming down the stairs, putting on his shirt. He's like, yeah, yeah I'll call you. Like he's mad. Right. Like so, then you're like, did you have performance issues? What happened? Are right. you like, what are you? T- what are you so mad about? Like he's a good, good looking enough guy. His hair's quaff, and that's the thing is that I'm really je- jealous about quaff hair. You'll hear this throughout. Will we? <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, so the you know the shot continues. There goes Michael. Uh, or oh, sorry, we see the point of view. We don't know it's Michael. He's going up, and he comes upon Judith, very beautiful young Judith Myers in front of her vanity, uh, brushing her hair. She's naked. It's very seductive. It's very risque. It's very taboo. I like that your voice has to drop when you say naked. It's very naked. Did you guys? She's very it? naked. She's very naked. <laughs> She's in the nude. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I guess it's my uh, it's my uh, Catholic upbringing, You're just kind of uh, like peeking yeah. its head through. I, I've noticed this every time you're on the mic, you you kind of dim that her 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 breasts, and <laughs> they're having sex. And I'm so sorry, Lance, that I respect <laughs> the more intimate moments. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. It's funny. <laughs> Got to point it out. All right, keep going. No, then you know, I mean, it, it's gonna happen, uh, Judith turns around sees that somebody is is looking at her it is now through the point of view through a mask yes we see eye holes we see eye holes and which i mean she reacts to it and we know who it is now she yells michael covers herself he starts stabbing her and almost like right he looks the the shot is like i'm looking at what i'm doing oh my god i'm actually killing isn't this yes (laughs) you know there's the shot where you the stabbing has begun and then the eye holes creep up and are, is watching the hand movement and john carpenter kind of said like i don't know why we did that but the inner dialogue that we talk about is like what we translate as super fans yeah. of this is like oh my god this is happening and there's this like joy of like i'm gonna keep doing this and you know it starts to go faster it does <laughs> the stabbing yeah. goes a little faster yeah i mean no not gonna make that joke that's terrible okay uh just something about penetration anyway uh so he goes i mean goes down and we 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 just heard we know it's michael goes down the stairs comes out and it's still through these eye hole uh point of view which is through a mask and then his parents you know we assume it's his parents coming home from god knows where they were not paying attention have you checked on the children no they haven't until it's all done they check on Michael. They the dad's like Michael, Michael, what are you doing? Takes off his mask, and then it's this big zoom out that gets Michael, the parents, the house with Michael, a six year old boy. You did not expect this, right? In his clown costume with a bloody knife. Bloody knife. That's your opening shot. And I love the look in the kid's face. Like, I mean, for a child actor to like yeah. have total shock, the way they pull his mask off, his head kind of shakes just from like the motion of pulling the mask off. 
And then we just get this shocked, like, canatonic look of this little boy holding a bloody knife and what he just did. Like, now he's totally removed from what he just did, which is awesome because it totally sets up the Michael that we get to know later on. Well, what's what's also like, I mean, you're, you're talking about 1978. You're talking about what our audiences, you know, used to seeing. And they're, I mean, if you're in the theater and you see that this horrific thing just happened, this, this, this young girl just got brutally murdered and stabbed to death. And then you see it's a kid and not only is it a kid, it's, it's her, I mean, it's her brother, right? right? I mean, if you see it nowadays, well, what, you know, kids are assholes, you know, you'd be like, yeah, that, that, that tracks, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. I'm sure that I'm sure I'm sure that's going to happen. But at the time it's like, whoa, oh my gosh, what right. shock. So yeah, that's our first sequence and it takes us, uh, it jumps forward, uh, 15 years later. Yes. And we're in what Smith's Grove at this point. Yeah, we're in Smith's Grove, and we're introduced to Loomis and um, Loomis, the best character in this series. We're going to talk about that a lot. He's a great character. He is a great. He character. is so important. He's the, the. He is a very important. I will give you that uh, character in the series. If he's the most important, I don't know. I know he's the most uh, consistent. You know, yes. because he's played by one man and I, one man only. I, what I always say is the difference between Michael and everyone else and why I enjoy Michael is Loomis is this voice of Michael throughout. He's the bringer of, you know, yeah, doom. He, and he, he yeah. lets the town know like this evil is coming towards you. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in a second. But he's just always this voice. And nobody else really has that. No, but and there's a there's a movie that calls him the Ahab kind of a thing. like he's the Ahab for Michael where yeah. he's just gonna tell his story constantly because michael won't he's just gonna show up and And michael is he he, as the series progresses yes michael is that white whale that that you know he is hunting and searching uh but in this uh, this opening one you almost assume you're like all right yeah this dude looks assertive he looks like he would know what he's talking about if he i mean we don't know much about michael the fact that all we know is that he was a kid and now he's definitely committed because, you know, we have a doctor. So we, you know, we're not, we're introduced to a doctor who mm-hmm. is not like an op, you know, he's not in an operating room. He's obviously a psychiatrist. Right. So, uh, psychiatrist, psychologist. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know if he deals out any drugs, but anyway, so, you know, we see Psyche. him, we see him and it's 15 years later. He's going to be, he's going to be, uh, tried as an adult now. Um, but you know, what's cool about this whole back and forth that, and how we're introduced with to Loomis is how unsettled he is, even though he looks very calm. Yeah. There's like this ultimate delivery in Donald Pleasance. It's just like, he's so annoyed with the bureaucrats that are probably not, first of all, Let's just get this out there. I don't know if I already said it, but if you see Dr. Loomis, if you see Donald Pleasance talking at all, he's talking to someone who doesn't believe him and doesn't fucking get it. And Never. he's just annoyed. Ever. Never. You, nobody has <laughs> ever, maybe one time when it was, but I'm not even going to get into that. No, I'm going to, nobody ever listens to Loomis. No. And it's frustrating. <laughs> it's so it's frustrating, frustrating because like, who is the only person that actually sounds like they know what they're talking about? Lewis. The man with the English accent. Yeah. <laughs> He's an English man in middle America. Listen to the motherfucker. Exactly. <laughs> there was a reason they <laughs> yes. listen to him. And he, I'm like, yeah, like if a doctor's like, you know, you probably shouldn't do that because, 
you'll hurt your hand and I, or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I probably won't do that. But if an English doctor with a bald head and a badass goatee is like, you should not do that. You'll hurt your hand. I'll be like, oh my gosh. I'm, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm I will not, not do, do that. that. And no, you know what? You know. I know that was the best English accent you've ever heard. And uh, you're welcome. It's a great Loomis. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So. What's going to happen next is pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, it's shot so guerrilla style, which is what I love. And when I, we say guerrilla, it's like all hands on deck. Everybody is helping. They shot this scene. It's in, they're in a car. They shot it in a garage. Right. And it's like cool because there's like they're driving and there's, you know, there's rain. Uh, you mentioned the shot earlier of this beautiful blue moonlight. We got to talk about the DP, Dean Cundy, who would have shot this movie Halloween 2 and Halloween 3 as far as the franchise goes, but he would go on to shoot many awesome, awesome movies. Right. He's so good, so gifted. Um, but I said he's an escape mental patient, and this is what happens. They drive up to the hospital, and right. everything is chaos. Everybody's out. All the mental patients just walking around in the moonlight and in the rain. Right. How stupid. <laughs> but again, this movie's shot so dark, so all we really come up is like there's headlights on people in gowns in the middle of the night. It's completely dark and black, and all we have is the lighting of the headlights coming up on mental it's patients. It's so true. And what's cool is like you never really think about this or talk about this, but this is the classic tale of a mental patient escapes and goes and terrorizes a town kind of a thing. Yeah. Like we don't really, I don't never really thought about it like that until you really break down this movie because I think it's so well done. It's a oh, lot yeah. more intelligent than yeah. just an old camp story, but that's what it is. It a, is an it, escape it, mental patient goes and terrorizes a town, but yeah, like what you know, oh no, of course, nobody in the town is crazy, it's <laughs> the people in the mental institution that are crazy. Ah, as long as we keep the kooks in the kook house, <laughs> we're gonna be fine. Um, which is bullshit. But anyway, uh, that's this story that we're tell that it's being told. Uh, it's and even then, oh, even then, they drive up and they see all these. Uh, again, this is back to nobody listens or believes Loomis or is paying attention. Everyone is in their own freaking you know state of you know disbelief or or uh, ignorance. He's driving with a nurse who's driving him, and she sees all these mental patients, and she's like, "Huh? Why didn't they? I, I didn't know they let them out at night. Are you fucking stupid? <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, I forgot why is that, that your why is that your initial reaction? <laughs> no, they don't let them walk around at night unsupervised in the rain." And Lewis is like, "Son of a bitch!" He's like, "I knew this shit was gonna happen." So he's like, "Right, so." It's I like mean, their horses or something. Like, let them out of their stable. Ah, night, the horses are out again. No. God damn it. No, they're, they're fucking mental patients. <laughs> but I didn't even think of that. No, it's so it's so true. You are <laughs> driving up to a sanitary. You see a bunch of mental patients chilling outside in the rain, mind you, soaking wet. And your initial reaction isn't like, oh, shit, they're out. No, your initial reaction is, huh, I don't know. They let them walk around. Huh. Since when did they oh, let them walk how, around? How nice. How nice for them. And Loomis has his little. So the fuse has been lit. He's done. He ha He's done playing nice. He's. You could see he's going to be snarky and already <laughs> moody. And he's like, I told everybody they didn't listen. Hmm. So he's like, drive up to the gate. And she's like, well, what if we's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, he says, go on, move. And you're like, oh. Oh, there you are. All right, I'm terrified now, and I believe you. <laughs> anyway, sets the scene. Michael eventually, you know, commandeers the car, kicks the nurse out, takes off, and uh, the evil is gone from the asylum. <sighs> yes, he drives away. He drives away. 
All right. So I don't want to go chronologically, but let's introduce ourselves to Lori Strode. Lori Strode, as mentioned before, Jamie Lee Curtis, so adorable, so cute, so innocent, so innocent. They, I think they knocked it out of the park with this casting. Yeah, they definitely. Would. I know. I mean, you talk. What people don't realize when, uh, if you're not in the acting uh, industry or, or the movie industry, and you're not, you don't know what actors go through. Sometimes you see movies in their finished product, you're like, "Oh, cool, they got everybody right." But the process is usually pretty tedious. You send out a huge audition, you get mm -hmm. it, you, and you dwindle it down, and then there's second, third, fourth screen tests. It's really tedious. By the time someone books a movie, uh, it's a lot. It's huge. Um, I don't. I know that you know Jamie didn't book it outright. Mm -hmm. I know that she was. It was down between her and. Um, um, you know, someone else, uh, but so wonderfully acted. She's the girl next door. If that, you know, phrase still exists today, she's the, she's the good student, uh, babysitter, um, good daughter, you know, it opens with her doing something for her dad. Right. Um, like just all around well-rounded i don't even you, you don't even see or hear a lot from her and you're like i already like this girl yeah absolutely. i like her already yeah. i like her a lot uh in the sense that like you know <laughs> you know now but at back then you're like what a nice what a nice girl nothing bad's gonna happen to her absolutely <laughs> and now you see if you fall in love with any character it's like oh fuck Damn it, they're gonna die, aren't they? Right? Because they're just gonna kill. <laughs> right. They're gonna take you, take your soul and crush it. She's you. You're right. She's just such a sweet girl. We see her interacting with a little kid named Tommy Doyle. Uh, just she's just a nice, sweet girl. It's perfectly done, perfectly cast. Everything she's talking about with Tommy, right. though, it's like you know, uh, she they're gonna. She, it's Halloween, so she's like gonna babysit him. It's like, are we gonna bait? You know, you gonna make, make jack o' lanterns? We're gonna make popcorn. Right. Like, what a badass. Freaking babysitter. Right. I would love that babysitter. Pay a little extra for Lori. Yeah, you know, I mean, Lori's the premium babysitter. Yeah, that's right. You know she's I mean? the top she, tier she's, babysitter. She's the one that, yeah. I mean, it's like Lori's your top babysitter. And then if you want like a discount, like we'll make sure that your kid won't die, but it's probably not going to do anything extra. You got your Annie. Annie. Which is her. Right. Which is her friend as well. But, um, <laughs> well, I mean, let's go right into it. We So we have Lori, but we also have her band of friends. Uh, which is not a huge band. It's just two uh, extra yeah. friends. Which is great because it's that close-knit group. But mm -hmm. each of them has such a different personality. But they kind of like trade off with each other. I think each of them have a little bit of each other within themselves. Right. Uh, Lori's going to be the good girl. So she's going to, she's not going to, you know, it's established she's not going to have a boyfriend. She's going to be into her books. Uh, there's even a point when they're walking home from school. And when I say they, I mean Annie, who's played by Nancy Loomis, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Annie Brackett, by the way. Just, it's going to be important. Uh, and uh, Linda. Linda. And I don't remember Linda's last name. I don't think they ever say it. Um, I think it's like Hofstetter or something like that. It's it's something. Anyway, yeah. Linda, played by PJ Souls, uh, one of the mean girls from Carrie. Uh, is so well done. But uh you know, Linda's going to be the, she's the cheerleader and she's talking about going to the dance and you can tell that she's, you know, one of the cool hip girls who's, you know, probably a little promiscuous, whatever, who cares? Mm -hmm. And he's talking about Paul, which is, you know, her boyfriend who got in trouble. So she's so sad. They're not going to be able to hang out tonight. Old Jerko, <laughs> old Jerko got caught soaping windows. What, but what the, what is soaping windows? I don't, I don't know, know what the hell that is. Soaping windows. That's what she says. Oh, old, old Jerko got caught. Throwing eggs and soaping windows. His parents grab grounded him. I don't know. Is that like 
I mean, is it just you take a sponge full of soap? Oh no, you do you get like a bar of soap and you're like, and you soap the window and like, like people can't see out of it? Could be, but if he's egging it, then it's almost like he egged it and then he cleaned it. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Let me yeah. let me let me clean that up yeah. there. Oh, I made it worse. <laughs> I, I, so I, I remember I was like, that's not anything that I did. We we did the toilet paper. Uh, on we could ask our parents. Maybe soaping was a thing back then. I, I, I got to talk. This is 1978. Remember, we weren't born until late 80s. So mid 80s, late 80s. 80s. Um, so again, we grew up with a, a number of these movies already out and established and popular and all that kind of stuff. So we're going back 10 years ish before we were born. Eight, six, whatever. Yeah. But. Um, and when I say walking home from school, we've already had one interaction with Lori and the shape. Yeah. She saw him while she was in while in class again, you know, hammering down the idea that she's a good student because even though she looks out the window and sees the shape standing mm-hmm. by the stolen station wagon, she's distracted. But then she's called on. You know, it's like I mean, I used to be a teacher, so it was like one of those when you see your kid isn't right and the student isn't. Of course, pretty, call you know, on that. All you student. gotta do is call on them, but like not be mean. You just gotta be like, and what was I saying? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to answer the question now? Yeah. God, that was the worst. And Lori just like, um, yeah. And I'm gonna fucking kill it. Yeah. <laughs> she just like gave the best answer to the question, and the teacher's like, "That's right." Just so right. like put in her place. But then we see that the shape is gone. Okay, so now they're walking home from school, and we see the shape again. Now he's just driving by them. Oh boy, I love this moment. He's driving by them and <laughs> Lori is already freaked out because she's seen him already, right? She's, she's like, paranoid, but she doesn't know if she totally saw it. Right, right. Because like, he, he was there and then he disappeared. Right. So what the hell am I seeing? It is Halloween. So so who some, we don't know. And we don't know who it is. It could be the boogeyman. It could be Devon Graham. That's what PJ... <laughs> PJ thinks he's cute. Drive. I don't know how cute you can be driving a government station wagon, but whatever. <laughs> but there he is. He's going. And Annie is already pissed because of Paul. So she's, you know, she sees that the car is maybe going a little too fast. And she yells out a very famous like, hey, jerk, speed kills. And what does the shape do? Slams on the brakes. Slams them on. And I, I'm. While you're watching on VHS, you can't really see. You see that the, obviously the car's you know braked and is stopped, and the music is playing and it's intensifying. But when you watch it on Blu-ray, <laughs> this is the creepiest thing. It's so creepy because yeah. you can see things more clearly. Not only did he stop, but he did one of the. Oh, what's that? What? <laughs> <laughs> that authority. <laughs> He's just, he's turned completely around looking back at her and almost like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> just like, and she's like, God, can you take a joke? Yeah, yeah, I would say that too. I would probably be running my pants. My pants would be shit and they would be running. I, it is so terrifying. Right, it is. Oh my God. And you actually see Annie's face kind of drop a little bit. Well, sure. You know? <laughs> sure. Yes. Why not? Right. A man in a mask is giving you the... Say it again. Say it again in my face. <laughs> yeah, but she still has a little bit of that attitude. PJ Soul's character obviously has a lot more attitude. Yeah. But Annie's character is like a great in between between Lori and um and Linda. And Linda. Yeah. Yes. Annie's a great in between because she's got the attitude of Linda, but she's got she's just a little more mature and right. she's kind of on that side of Lori. So you see Annie's face drop. You see Lori just totally concerned and embarrassed and like, oh shit, who do we You're just gonna piss get off? Us in big trouble. 
Oh, fucking mumbles. We're going to yeah. talk about that. I can't what wait. A great uh, delivery. But anyway, you know, it, it, what's cool, you talked about the dynamic of the tight knit group. We see that. We see mm. how we, they affect each other right. and they're real. And it makes and, it so personal yes. that you connect to it. Deborah Hill actually wrote all their. The commentary. And John Carpenter went, thank you, because that matters. I was not going to be able to do that. Right. So, or maybe not, but like it wouldn't have come out as as personal and as, uh, again, real as it Right. Did. We talk about it. It's, it's just an everyday thing. There's nothing going on. It's a Halloween day. Nothing's going to happen to these girls. Everything's no. fine. It's just a normal I mean, day. Yeah, we have a little a little weird moment because some guy braked. And I mean, it's not totally out of the question. I mean, I've been driving around and if, some, if I, first of all, he heard through the windows, which again, supernatural stuff. It's right. like a wolf. Uh, but if somebody yelled at me, I might break and be like, okay, what, 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 am I going too fast? What's your wrong, Annie? <laughs> I don't know why I make him so sassy. <laughs> but, you know, uh, we continue on in, in the movie. It's just, it's, I can we, I mean, we're going to, we can talk about any moment in the movie, Lance. We can talk about any moment and just gush about it. I mean, from Loomis meeting Brackett and, you know, strategically missing Michael because Michael's like behind him and Loomis is like looking around. I just wanted like, to talk about that scene. Yes. Oh, yeah, we can talk about it. <laughs> so Loomis is uh, in the town of Haddonfield, finally, uh, looking for Michael. And there's a shot where Michael literally pulls up in the station wagon. Yep. And Loomis is looking one way. Michael drives this curve mm -hmm. around him and Loomis looks the other way. And it's this funny moment. And I talk about the playfulness of Michael throughout the whole series. Yep. But this is one of those moments where I just see it as like, oh, there's fucking Loomis. You know, he's like <laughs> driving by like, ah, oh, fuck. You. Like, <laughs> almost giving him the middle finger as he goes by him because Loomis does not notice it. But it's it's that that sense of Michael's everywhere now in this yep. town and Loomis just misses him. But he's everywhere and he's also nowhere. Right. Like he's everywhere, but you you oh you gotta be quicker than that yeah. <laughs> wheel it in yeah you got I mean, it, uh, he just misses him and it, it's not one of those like hit your mark oh there you know it's it's done perfectly by donald yeah. pleasance uh but we do get that interaction between him and bracket who's introduced to us uh he was introduced to us earlier by doing a jump scare on laurie and uh uttering not one of the um best lines of the series and has been recycled uh when he scares laurie he says, oh, excuse me, Laurie. Charles Cyphers, he's such a he's such a suburban, just a just just a down home police or sheriff. You know, right. I mean? he's just one of those like the it's his his police force is maybe like five mm -hmm. guys, even less. He's just right. you know, he's just this guy. He's like, Oh yeah, I can see totally see the sheriff living next door to me. But he says to Laurie as he scares her, you know, it's Halloween. I guess we're all entitled to one good scare. Right. But one thing we want to talk about is that the sheriff is coherent. You believe him. Thank you. It's so important in the series until later on. But there's <laughs> the, the sheriff's, the police department of Hattonfield is always on it. It adds legitimacy to what's going on and the seriousness of Michael Myers kind of running around. Uh, he questions Loomis quite often. Well, everybody does, but yes. Everyone does, <laughs> but he, why wouldn't he question him? You know, like, oh, not in my small town. This is, you know, nothing ever happens here. Oh, there was a break-in at the hardware store. Okay, that's really odd. Probably kids. Blah, but blah. yeah, probably kids. All he stole was what? Uh, Halloween mask, a rope, and a couple of knives. Who do you think did it? <laughs> a couple of kids, right? <laughs> but yeah, there is something to be said about the legitimacy of the sheriffs that we get 
through most of the series because you don't want dumb characters and uh, you know and again the slasher trope has not been has not progressed this is one of the this is the again the granddaddy so well yeah i'm gonna make smart characters i'm gonna make believable characters and they Mm -hmm. don't necessarily have to be smart but they don't have to be like kooky and doing something that was out of the ordinary of a human being make them i mean the only thing that i will say that none of these characters have is peripheral vision except Lori. (laughs) Right. Except Lori. She right. is the most observant character in this series, which is why I think I draw, I'm drawn to this performance so much is because she is like how I would imagine myself in the horror movie. Yeah. I would be looking. Hey, what was that? No, 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 no. Right. What was that? And again, the dynamic about this whole thing. Carpenter says that Lori is a watcher like Michael is a watcher, right? Right. Lori is aware of everything. She is not distracted by anything. She sees everything. We go back to the scene where she's in class. Not only is she listening to the teacher and she knows what's going on, but she's looking out the window and noticing that there's a dude staring at her from outside and then can still collect herself when she's asked a question in the room and answers the question brilliantly. Brilliantly. Right. But this this is a play on what happens with the rest of the movie. Everyone else is distracted because he's going to be stalking them. He's going to be stalking them. And if you had any sort of if you were paranoid in any which way which i mean not to say that he doesn't stalk lori he does and yes. she sees him though but when he stalks linda and he stalks annie and he stalks yeah pretty much them they don't see him mm-hmm. ever until it's too late right <laughs> uh, uh one more thing i want to kind of go back with the the bullies of this for tommy remember tommy oh has- right so we yeah we introduced tommy he is laurie's charge for the night he right. is her. You, you remind me because he's not only stalking laurie he starts stalking tommy for a minute and uh there's a, a scene where tommy's getting bullied and john carpenter kind of even said like this is like an everyday thing now this is in almost every movie but back then yeah bullies get worse in this series but they're yeah. pretty bad already oh yeah We'll get heated on the the bullies later on. So one of the bullies runs around the corner and runs into the shape. And all we see is a dude in a jumpsuit stops him and holds him. But there's something that I love. There's a little detail on this. Tommy's walking on the other side of the courtyard. He lets the shape lets this kid go. And he has this little playful twist to him. Nick Castle, who plays the shape, is so awesome in this. And nobody ever does compare to him. But he has this little like twist and he puts his hand on the fence and he kind of starts dragging his hand along the fence. And you remember, like I started to like put myself in the shapes shoes. He's 21 years old. There should be some playfulness, right? Absolutely. He's been locked up since he was six years old. And now he's out to play on Halloween his night. You know what I mean? mean, So the last thing he remembers of being out in the real world is donning a costume and killing. So. If this is his maybe view of how he views the night, or this is how he trick or treats, or this is what he this is where he's at. Because when Loomis and Brackett start talking later, and Loomis is now this, he's almost like the filler in as to the years we missed, Mm -hmm. because it's fifteen years later, and he's he is the in between of the two, Uh, child Michael and now adult Michael. So he's talking about. Um, they go they go to the Myers house, which is now run down, decrepit, and is the boogeyman's house. So nobody's lived there. And even Sheriff Brackett mentions it's like I don't think anybody's lived here since it since it happened. Right. Uh everyone in Haddonfield thinks it's haunted. And what does Lewis say? They're probably right. Yeah. Right. And you like you're almost like in hindsight, knowing what Michael Myers has been now, you're mm-hmm. like, Yeah, that is the haunted house. 
But why would a man say that about somebody who was a kid, committed a crime, has been locked up, you know? Loomis knows. Right. He knows what he's got. He never, I mean, any, there's a dead, uh, there's a dead, uh, possum. No, it's a dog. There's a dead dog in the house. They never show it, but Brackett walks up to him. He's like, it's a dog. And what is Mike? I mean, Loomis is like, oh, yeah, he probably killed the dog. Yeah, he killed Mike. Him being he, mean Michael, killed the dog. But Loomis says, probably got hungry. What? He probably got hungry? Yeah. He probably got hungry? You're talking about a man who's just eating dogs raw, didn't even cook it? First of all, don't eat the dogs. Second of all, why are you eating? Why are you eating it raw? No, no, no. This is not a literal interpretation. This is what I talk about. I will talk about Halloween too, and and so on. This is Michael building his power. He got hungry to kill, so he killed the dog because he went home. He went to his house. He went to the haunted house. He, he went to what he knows best. That's his house. There's a dog. He makes the kill. It's not like he's gonna eat the dog. Well, I don't know. I just don't. Know I don't think Michael Myers is a cannibal. He might be. Well, first of all, it's he's eating a dog. It's. Not a it, okay. Well, all right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Well, okay. Okay. okay not I, a cannibal. I, I see your point. Thank you. But I also say that what follows that line, because Brackett shakes it off. He's like, nah, it could have been a skunk. For, do skunk, skunks kill dogs? Do they? Apparently, they do in Haddonfield. I, I, wait, wait, wait. This small town is not worried about Michael Myers, the slasher. We got a skunk, We got a skunk problem. We got a major skunk we got a problem. Major They're skunk killing problem. dogs. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But Brackett says, as he's still looking at to what we don't see, we didn't, we didn't never see the dead dog. But Brackett says a man couldn't have done that, and Loomis just like is so disgusted. He's like, I have to keep on explaining this shit to you. Right, he's like, really? this isn't a man. Woof. Yeah. That's already like okay. So then he get you know they go and they're what you know walking through the house, the Haddonfield, the Myers house, trying to see if maybe they can pick up a clue or something like that. And Loomis delivers an amazing monologue. I know it all, but I won't do it. Um, just so you know what we're dealing with. He talks about how he met a boy who had a blank face, a blank emotionless face. And he knows that it's not a man. It is not a boy. It is purely and simply evil. And that is how we are to know Michael. Right. That is how John Carpenter and Deborah Hill intended us to know Michael. He is not a man. He is not a serial killer. He is evil incarnate. So, the fact that maybe he maybe he is immortal, maybe he can't die, maybe he does extra things that a normal human being wouldn't do. We don't know. We just know that he is a, he's a, able to and will do things otherworldly. Right, and that's what he represents. Absolutely, it's very good. It's a very great scene, and I'm obviously very well shot. But you know, it's called the babysitter murder, so we got to see some babysitters. Let's see them. Well, we got some babysitting going on between Annie and Lori, and there, uh, Lori is babysitting Tommy Doyle, who we already established, and now uh, we are introduced to Lindsay, little Lindsay Wallace, little Lindsay Wallace, who can't be bothered unless it's to go over across the street and watch with Tommy Doyle. So, little <laughs> Lin- right. little Lindsay's a little little hot pants. We have romance <laughs> everywhere. She's definitely not a Lori Strode. No, no, but Lindsay, little Lindsay is being babysat. Is right? Is that right? Babysitted. Baby. She's babysit. No, Soot. <laughs> Soot. she's be- she's being uh, looked after by Annie across the street. So we got these two friends watching kids across the street. That's established. And the shape is ever present watching, looking around, being creepy. 
what was funny about uh and by the way lindsey wallace is played uh as you know she's a child but she's played by kyle richards one of the real housewives of orange county I believe I don't. Know. It's one of the she's the one of those very famous Real Housewives, and she's going to be making a her grand return in the new Halloween that is coming out uh, in next year in 2021. Crap, yeah. she's coming back as Lindsay. Anyway, um, yeah. So they're watching the horrorthon. I love this because I watched the horrorthon on Halloween. Yeah, me too. And the horrorthon for me was Halloween the movie mm-hmm. and everything you know in between. But it was it's so cool because they're both watching thing from another planet which is so cool because it's like right. it's john carpenter's personal favorite and it's also his personal movie it's his like it's his tape oh right and, I mean, he says it's the thing yeah. it's the thing before vhs and it's not betamax he didn't remember what it was but again right. back to that gorilla it's cruise his stuff. copy of it's the actual so, film yeah it's so endearing that everyone is just helping and i love that about this movie everyone gets to do everything it's so cool absolutely and we even talked about that the opening scene was actually filmed on the last day and it was a decrepit house right that they had to clean up and make look like it was the whole crew even right even Lori. yeah even jamie even curtis jamie was curtis a part was of this painting. Absolutely. yeah so that's such a cool thing there's so much love and uh passion put into this project that's why it's so good that's why it's a that's classic. why we are lo- love and are passionate and are here now talking to you exactly about it that's why there's such a great fandom now is because it just translates it does we we have to feed into that there's a scene that we, we got to talk about is tommy looking outside the window and the shape is across the street right uh this scene is what terrified me as a kid uh we've talked about this uh I was on the second story of my childhood home, looking down into the neighborhood. I was the only kid on that side of the house. So this is something that I played in my head constantly. I had nightmares about. I would peek outside my window, and I lived in that suburban neighborhood. All the lights looked exactly the same, and I always expected to see the shape staring at me from across the street, and it's terrifying. And mm-hmm. it's one of those reasons I, I connect to the film. Yeah. And I love that shot. And there's a couple of times where they see Michael across the street doing his business. And that always terrified me the most and connected me to the film and Tommy and having these kids a part of it. Absolutely. It is terrifying. I mean, I could tell you that I kind of grew up in the same situation, living on the second floor. And uh, one time, I mean, yeah, I would look out. I mean, we did live in a, we did live in a, you know, in a neighborhood, a subdivision. And actually one time I, you know, looked outside and, you know, it was, I was up all, you know, watching movie after movie after movie. And just like, I'd been up in my room and I was like, you know what? I'm half expecting it was already dusk. I'm half expecting to see the shape outside. Yeah. And, you know, I looked out my window and I saw my dad. He was like, get your ass out of here and throw the <laughs> trash already. <laughs> I was, I told you I was in my room all day. <laughs> Yeah, I was just watching movies all day. No, but anyway, it was, yeah, I can totally get it. Totally scary. We're in the nighttime now. I mean, it's all Halloween night from here on out. Um, It's a great, that's a great scene of Tommy seeing the shape outside. And Mm -hmm. we get little long established shots, well lit in the sense of, you know, the shape is not lit up to where you can make out exactly this mm. is just the shape of a man who is you know freaking you out he's representing the boogeyman and that's what like tommy you know it's like i just saw the boogeyman and right tommy's like a, a mini lubis nobody believes him <laughs> that's right nobody why would you right he's like once Lindsay. uh well okay Lindsay comes across the street because annie's gonna go find paul because she can no longer stall 
Right. She can no longer stall. She has to go see Paul. Please, Paul. <laughs> I love that song. Wait, wait. There it is. <laughs> yes. So Annie's singing this song all throughout because she's getting ready to go see Paul because she's ready to, you know, she's ready to, she's ready to, you know, see him. So she leaves Lindsay with Lori across the street. And when Tommy does see the shape, Tommy starts screaming very high pitch. It's fine. Um, that, that's the boogeyman's outside. Right. And then, you know, scares the crap out of Lindsay and Lori like runs to his aid, sees that obviously now. Mm -hmm. He's gone. He's yeah, not there. There's nothing there. I was like, "There's nobody out there." And stop. If, and if you don't stop, I'm gonna. T I'm gonna have to turn off the TV and you know send you to bed. You're scaring Lindsay. Tommy's so defeated. Nobody believes me. And Lindsay, who is just terrified a little while ago, is like, "I believe you, Tommy." Fucking dude. Okay, Lindsay. Lindsay's like a little mini Linda Annie. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, she's you know she's she's making her brownie points with the astronaut dressed you know little Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Lindsay. Okay. You know, and Lori, I love that part because uh, Lori's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. What the hell am I doing here? All right. So Annie is has spilled a coffee on herself. She has to go to the laundry room, which is separated from the house, Oof. which is such a fucking killer scene. It's this little room. It's a little laundry room. It's separated, but it's lit so perfectly, and the shape is outside, and we see the shape. But he, but again, it's just this white face, and the way everything is lit, all you see is like the eye holes and like a little bit. But you of, see it through like a, you see it through a window, through you a see window, behind a curtain, right? You see it everywhere, it's never but, straight on. But if you like break down the colors of the film that you're watching, it's black and like a light pale blue, and that's it. That's the only color in this shot. And there's so much tension. We got to talk about the tension and the long scenes in this movie, so you get a payoff in the end. But you have to wait and wait and wait and nothing happens oh my gosh no i mean she locks herself in can hear the phone ringing and it's paul Lindsay, open answer the door <laughs> and like Lindsay is this is before she goes across the street is watching the horathon not giving a shit she, i love it because it's just a shot of her she's just watching the horathon annie is stuck screaming for her life first of all do you like to do laundry I don't no. think anyone likes to do laundry. Oh. You want to know when I don't like to do laundry? When is that? Is on Halloween night when the laundry room is at least, what, a hundred yards across the <laughs> freaking lawn uh -huh. in its own place? It's <laughs> a big I place. I don't want to. It's a huge. It's a football it's a, field 500 away. yards. <laughs> Five it's a mile fields. across. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's far from the house. It's, I mean, this was common. Uh, laundry rooms right. were like in their own little shack yeah. across, you know, across the lawn. I don't want to be it's terrifying she's got to go out there you know she's alone but yeah you're right tension build up build up and nothing happens she gets stuck in the window because you know of course she she's does she's trying to get out and you're like oh he's gonna get her nope nope doesn't get her nope. and the audience is like this the whole time uh, uh, uh. right oh oh okay nothing Ooh. wow Ooh, we can exhale a little bit I thought it was gonna happen and right it doesn't. and you oh. get this relief and you're like Okay, so now I don't know when anything's going to happen, right? So no anything. <laughs> I, we're obviously out of order, but Annie now Doesn't goes. Doesn't matter. Screw it. Annie goes to her car. Right. She goes to her car. It's locked. She forgets the keys, but please, oh, Paul. <laughs> like, sorry, I love this song. I need it recorded on a vinyl. Um, she goes to go get the keys to go open the car, but when she comes back to the car, now she could just open it. Doesn't even unlock it, huh? Mm -hmm. mm. Something's weird. Something's right. off. Right. Something is the is, is the foot. Some sure. Anyway, uh, goes in and the windows are all fogged up. Yes. When she does the. 
she's been whistling this right. awesome tune and does the uh, uh, on the window. She finally, finally, her only moment of, huh, something's not right. Because before she was oblivious. Right. And right when you drop your guard or you finally know that something's wrong, it's because it is. Who's in the backseat? The shape. Gets her. Gets her good. Starts strangling her. Uh, choking her right and she uh nancy loomis does a phenomenal job at uh at this you know acting and the, the acting struggle this out. right the struggle yeah. is so good and you see him you, there's a there's a shot inside the car but you also the majority are when the kill happens it's through you're seen from outside the car through the foggy right window. so we haven't had a clear image of the shape unless he's in the distance so we haven't had a close-up of him yet and what i love about this scene is it's his first kill as a shape that we're seeing mm-hmm and it's a struggle. You can hear him breathing heavy. Uh, and she's actually struggling. And he's just like holding the neck. Right. Yeah. But then he has a knife yeah. in the, with him. I mean, the knives that he stole from the hardware store. Right. So after this struggle, it's almost like he's enjoying it or trying to like figure this out. Like, huh. Interesting. Then he pulls the knife out. Throat and, slash. And finishes the job. Finishes the job. Yeah. I found that interesting because the first few kills of this film are all strangulations mm-hmm. and you don't really think about that until you really break it down like we have and we've done our fun homework but it's yeah. a, a strangulation and there's a struggle to it which is really interesting to me i mean by the time we meet grown-up shape grown-up michael he's he should be better at killing but really should he He's just older. Right. He just killed only one person, which was, Ju- I mean, you know, really, he killed Judith. Right. With, and when he was a kid and he killed her, you know, he also, I mean, he killed her with a knife too, but he's like, he hasn't really had a lot of practice. Yeah. He killed a truck driver to steal the coveralls, but we don't see that kill. We don't know how it happened. Uh, and he killed the dog, but we don't know how any of this happened. Well, we see his, him actually working is with Annie. And this scene is so well done. That's just like, Oh, this is very uncomfortable to watch right. because it's not a quick kill. Like right. you mentioned, it is a struggle. So you are on the audience. You're the audience. You're going for it. And you're, she's like honking the horns. So you're like, she might get out of it. Nope. He slits her throat and it's over. And right before, remember, we saw the boogeyman. Actually, this is actually when Tommy freaks out. Mm-hmm. I jumped the gun. He saw the boogeyman earlier. But when he really freaks out is when he's trying to scare Lindsay. Right. And he sees Michael carrying Annie into the house. And that's when, yeah. He no, loses no, it. But right. Believes me. Oh, what? So, all right. Annie's dead. So now we're introduced. We're introduced to Bob. 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 Bob and Linda. So Bob and Linda are together, and Linda is. And Jamie would even mention it. Linda's the the role that every girl kind of wanted to play. This is what uh, Jamie Lee Curtis says. She has the most fun. She's a you know party girl. She's drinking. She's with Bob. They're going to have sex. It's fun. You know, he's got a van. Fucking Bob is awesome. Okay. Yeah. I want to be Bob. The glasses, I uh, I, can, I know I can pull it off. It's very cool. Anyway, they go there. They're going to use the Wallace's house. That's where Annie and Lindsay were. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were going to use the Wallace house to freaky deaky. They're going to go crazy, right? Uh, but, lower that voice. Uh, lower that voice. They're going to have sex. so yeah uh having a lot of fun drinking going in and all the lights are off because he cut the power yeah right so smart man you know linda's trying to figure out what's going on she's like annie we're here no answer because why because annie's dead so 
Okay, well, I don't hear an answer, but I got sex on the mind. That's so right. Screw it. Gonna. <laughs> that's exactly it. Screw yeah, it. Screw We're it. Get to it. So they uh, they continue after she you know confers with Lori across the street. But again, it's a sex scene, but it's it's shot not like over the top. It's very like real. They're like kind of fumbling around under the covers there's some moans there's lots of kisses but you don't really see a lot and it's right. just like this seems real yeah ish i mean like they're not porn stars I, I appreciated that of it and well like it doesn't matter because like john carpenter was i think kind of like weirded out he was about very it. uncomfortable shooting yeah. sex scenes so this is why it's so like and eh, that's it yeah that's but all like, you get. kudos to both of them but while the sex is going on there's a light peering in from the hallway and you just see a shadow again the ever-present just killed somebody but i'm still working shape right he's still watching and it's it, it sucks because it's like you, there is no moment that is safe you can be just trying to you know study in school you you're you're <laughs> trying to just watch a horathon you're trying to go see paul you're trying to have sex no moment is safe i'm there all the time that's right he's always watching yeah so um, what what comes next is my favorite kill, and it's with you know Bob after you know post coitus, uh, Bob the iconic the uh, Bob is uh you know sent down or is asked to go down and go get a beer for him and uh, Linda who you know is is satisfied she's she's satisfied she's like mm, fantastic and you're like was it <laughs> she looked more like she just woke up from a great nap or took a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, a, a great nap is how I would put it, Lance. Uh, that would that'd probably be bad. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "Ooh, bad dad." You're like, "All right, oh, okay, Bob." Was, I mean, mm. I guess it's, it's what's written. But you know, they're in love, whatever. So Bob goes down to go get another beer, which it's weird for me. He's like, "Go get me a beer." And he's like, "Going to the fridge." I'm like, "These aren't your beers, is it? These are like the Wallace's <laughs> beers." <laughs> They've taken like, over. Who cares? But anyway, he's like, "Oh, screw it." I. I had sex upstairs and now I'm going to go get some beers. But in the kitchen, which all the lights are off, except for the kitchen, the the light from the fridge. Huh? It was on. Yeah, yeah that's right. The, yeah. So that it's probably got the generator. Uh, or it's just on a different story. He didn't cut the the main. No, he, he didn't cut, cut the main. He cut each and every one except for the one that the refrigerator. He's not an animal. On. He's not going to let that food expire. No, exactly. Because you know, he's, he, he's actually hungry. <laughs> He did not eat the dog. He is still hungry. He's still hungry. And like, at the end of all this shit, he's going to raid the fridge. He's going to make a sandwich. And you know what? That's probably why I killed Bob. He's like, I want the fucking beer too, dude. I've never had a beer. I'm 21. What the yeah, hell? Yeah, what's going on? I'm old enough. Well, what you know, yeah, that's what happens. Bob goes down and you're like, we don't know much about Bob, but we know that he's going to die because we could hear that he's like, he hears something. So he's like, he thinks it's Linda playing jokes on him. So he opens up door and he's like, Linda, you asshole. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then he sees nothing's there. And then he, you can hear, he can hear breathing mm. from the door behind him. He's like, all right, come on out. Opens the door and it's not Linda. It's definitely not Annie or Paul. Nope. It's the shape. Strangle holds to the, you know, to the neck. Gets him, you know, against the wall. Starts picking him up. With the left hand, let's just talk about that. I don't, my right hand, my strong hand. <laughs> I'm gonna, that's pretty impressive, you know. Yeah. And he does, he's not like jacked or anything. He's no blockhead, you know. He's pretty, he's pretty, he's pretty like lean and stuff. But again, he's not a man. So he's raising Bob up and he's strangling Bob and he could pretty much stay here if he wants to. But 
insert my favorite toy, the knife, stabs Bob so deep in his chest that it pins Bob to the wall. Right. And you get... The head tilt. The head tilt. Him just observing... The iconic head tilt. The iconic head tilt. Iconic is going to be used a lot by us, and we don't care. And again, this this scene is shot so dark. You don't really see the shape. It's mostly black. You get a little bit of an outline from the outside uh, lighting, but it's so dark, which is so cool because a lot of you get shown so much through slasher films and through through so many movies. And this this movie so iconic, but it's so dark. It is. It's black and blue throughout all these scenes and we still haven't seen a clear shape up close and we're pretty much approaching it's either the end of the second act or we're well or we're already in the third act but pretty much it's going to start picking up from here as far as the killings go i mean it picks up from annie yeah what our favorite parts coming (laughs) yeah absolutely favorite part because not so it's halloween you got to be tricky you got to be doing funny stuff right so what is so what does uh the shape do he knows bob has to go back upstairs (laughs) he grabs the closest bed sheet yeah puts it over himself so now he's this ghost shape but he wants to confuse linda enough so he gets bob's badass glasses that's right and puts them on over the sheet over his face and when Linda sees him appear in the door, she's none the wiser. She's like filing her nails. She's like, cute, Bob, real cute. Let's just talk about the fact that the shape <laughs> took the time to find a bed sheet. Right. Put it over himself. Realize I can't fucking see. Put holes in the eyes. Grab Bob's glasses off of him who's hung on a wall or a cabinet. Put some on and goes, this is the shit. I'm going to get in that bed right now. That's what <laughs> like, I'm saying. It's like, this is the way just, I mean, like, did he, pra- did he, like, did, would he workshop with other things? Mm. Did he put a blanket? He's like, oh, I'm not fully covered. <laughs> did, he, like, did, did he just, did he take off the mask? He's like, I don't look like Bob at all. And he puts his back on. Did he, put, and then he find you know what? Ghost. Ghost. Easiest, easiest it, deal. So it's a put, classic. Come he on. He puts the sheet on. He, like, walks into the wall. Yeah. And shit. He's, <laughs> He's like, like oh, eye holes. God damn it. This sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, like, I mean, nothing. None of that is seen, and obviously, and maybe none of it happens because then you would you would categorize him and put him into like a normal man because right, you know, right. of course he would make it work. Uh, but yeah, so he heads upstairs, he heads upstairs, and there he Linda. is uh, with Linda, um, <laughs> and Linda's like, you know, showing off her breasts, <laughs> showing off her stuff, and she utters a very famous line: "See anything you like?" No response because it's not Bob. So she gets pissed. She's like, "Ugh, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call Lori. See what the hell's going on. This is going nowhere. What an insult, by the way. It's a terrible insult. If, Bob, if I'm, if, if it is Bob, I would just like throw myself down the stairs. This is going nowhere with you and your like, two Jesus. seconds, two minutes sex. What an insult. What an insult. This is going nowhere. So Michael then, with Linda giving him his back, starts approaching her, and the music dun dun starts." kicking in you know something's up because we all know it's not bob right. and she's calling Lori. Lori f- answers the phone before linda could say anything <sighs> he starts strangling linda with the phone cord but Lori hears all these moans and stuff she's like all right annie she thinks it's annie yeah you know you're gonna now i get your moaning or whatever right, right. it's like it's it's like yeah okay fine because that's your initial reaction but no linda is dying on the other end of the receiver right and then laurie's like all right well this is obviously weird because these moans have now turned to not pleasurable right (laughs) so yeah you know it's she's like okay is everything okay i'll kill you if this is a joke right yeah and now finally you get the close-up 
iconic full shot of Michael Myers, the shape. Right. And how do we get it? Grabs the receiver, puts it to his ear. Well, yeah. Linda pulls this sheet down. Oh, right. After this struggle, which I know that you love that scene because it's it is such a struggle. And then we get this great reveal. And why is this such a big deal? Because he picks up the phone. Yep. And it's his first legitimate connection with Lori. With Lori. Yep. And they're on the phone together, literally on the phone. They're on the phone. And, and he's just breathing into the phone. He's not going to answer, so he hangs up. Right. She tries to call back. You know, she looks across the street. The lights are now starting to flash, you know, because they were now off and now they're on. But then he turns everything off and now she's she's got to go be a good friend. That's so right. she knows something's up. She goes across the street. Uh, it's wonderfully shot. So long. Lindsay and Tommy are upstairs in the same bed, by the way. Okay. Oh, okay, Lindsay. They're six or so. They're not supposed to be. So <laughs> she walks across the street. Very long establishing shot. The audience, we all know. Oh, my God. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't go over there. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. And you want to know what John Carpenter did perfectly. He's like, I know you all feel this. So I'm going to stretch it yes. out as long as normally possible. Like not overdo it. It is the it, slowest walk in film history. <laughs> she takes her time because the suspense is building. It's building. She gets to the house. She's like, you know, she can't find anybody. It's still dark. She goes up the stairs, opens the bedroom door and sees Annie dead on the bed splayed out underneath a tombstone of judith myers yes that he decided you know what i i like this house i like it don't get me wrong but it needs it's missing something it needs something i know let me go get a freaking tombstone which, which he stole before he did all this yeah he stole that before like, you know what he, i might need this later he was just hiding it on the <laughs> side he had it on the side of the house he's like it's not ready it's not ready i'll know when it's ready and that makes that reminds me of the lights flickering it's like mm, gotta get it right mm. uh lighting down lighting off yeah candles it has to be spooky we yeah. get we get candles we get pumpkins with uh, everything's lit. very ceremonial very yes which i love oh it's awesome it's the pre presentation there's a bit of a what is that connection it's left to you the audience you're like why would he get judith's headstone does he believe that this they are like judith this is the reason i killed judith is because anyway it doesn't matter because it's not really explained and it doesn't need to be and i love it it's so scary because it's not explained huh. <laughs> so Lori sees Annie. She's terrified. She bumps into a wall. Here comes Bob swinging. Oh, they're all dead, obviously. She's terrified there. She opens and she bumps into another wall. And, uh, Linda's there, dead. It's boom, boom, boom. Oh my yeah. gosh. She's terrified. She's in tears. She gets out of the, uh, the room and she backs up into a corner and she's, I, I, you mentioned it one time. It was like she's just beside herself. Like, She's in total shock. Total shock. What the hell is happening? And you kind of mentioned something I never really thought of is like, is this a trick? I mean, I've had so many tricks played on me by my friends and all this. I just see it as total and absolute shock. She yeah. starts kind of crying. She crouches down. There's a doorway right behind her, which is so... It's pitch black. It's pitch black. And this is something that I talk about a lot. It's, it's the same thing with Tommy Doyle's scene. Like, it reminds me of my childhood. What is in the blackness of the room? We What's got a there? closet we're staring at right now, which we, we were terrified of. Yeah, like, what it. is in the dark room right there? I have so many nightmares and dreams about that. What is in there? Danny, what's in there? The shape. The Who's shape. going to be uh, slowly lit 
by uh, a you know dimmed up right by a light and it's just the mask slowly yeah being illuminated in the darkness yeah. and it has homework i watched this at 2 a.m and i told you like mm-hmm. i've watched these movies over and over again but to sit down and finally watch it this part terrified me at two in the morning like holy shit i forgot how much that gets me just this face coming at laurie from behind absolutely man it's like that thing is like what is in the darkness and what if what you think is in the darkness is there is there (laughs) the boogeyman is real and you found him there he is right he's there in the darkness and he takes a stab at laurie and now we are into the final final confrontation Right. There's no more pro- poking and prodding. There's no more, you know, I'm going to watch you from afar. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. And he takes a stab at her. And maybe he meant to miss. Maybe he missed on purpose. I, I think we're both in the camp of he meant. He yeah. Meant to miss. I think he meant to. Hey. Why? I mean, the way he misses, how he misses, and then the chase afterwards is like he wants to chase after Lori. Like, it's too easy. I mean, you, there she is. And the thing is, like, Lori is... Annie was Annie dying. You kind of felt bad, but like you know, Annie was a different character, right? Mm. She has, you know, she was she's annoyed by dogs, you know, because Lester was barking again and getting on her nerves <laughs> oh, again, right? She hated the family dog, so like there was a bit of an attitude to Annie. So you're like, I'm not saying that you're saying, oh, we th- that I'm not saying that anyone is saying they are this way, so it's okay to kill them. Right. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if you are in the camp of being so in favor of good, mm-hmm. you don't want Lori to have any first. You don't want anything to happen to her. You can almost say that promiscuity, right? They're having sex. They shouldn't be. They're drinking. They shouldn't be. So it's like you do bad, bad things happen to you. Lori didn't do anything bad. Not right. one thing. She was the good girl. So we go on to the, the climax of the movie. Pretty much uh, all the while Loomis has been camped out at the Myers house waiting for Michael to come back. He's just, he, he's, he's not coming back because he's, further away in you know down the street in Haddonfield as a matter of fact um so yeah so just him and Brackett have been you know kind of camping out Brackett's been like circling not still believing him but now we have this chase through the house Lori getting out of the house out of the kitchen some really cool shots uh happening all where you know kills that had already you know existed and mm-hmm. then we get the, the the big run from house to house and we had seen before Lori <laughs> before Lori left she went into her little knitting bag and got the keys yeah and put them in her pocket which she's very very much at the time she's wearing some very tight denim blue bottom uh blue bottoms blue bell bottoms <laughs> blue bell ice cream I'm thinking about Texas uh <laughs> bell bottoms and you know, we see her put the keys in there. So now she's running. She's running away from the shape. She gets to the house and it's locked because she locked the kids in there because, you know, to protect him. And now yes. she can't find the keys. <laughs> oh, the keys. <laughs> I'm so glad you do that. It makes me laugh every time I watch it. And the fact that you caught on to that. Yeah, she can't find the keys. And while she's looking for the keys, I mean, they could be in the pocket. Maybe they fell out when she, because when he stabbed her, she fell over the stairs. They could be. No, they're in her fucking pocket because the keys are always in your fucking pocket. They're always in your pocket. That's the joke of the scene is like, you always have your keys on you, but you always fucking lose them. Right. It's hilarious. It is hilarious. He's losing it because she can't find the keys. And okay, you can't find the keys. But now here comes the guy that just took a stab at you definitely killed your friends right and he's walking Danny, across. If the keys are in your pocket and the shape is coming after you 
yeah, I would I would forget who I was at that point too. <laughs> she was hitting the door and she gets she has the wherewithal to grab a flower pot, throw it up to where Tommy and Lindsay are asleep, breaks it, shatters it, by the yeah. way. Let's just talk about that. Shatters the deal, wakes up Tommy and he's like, Who is it? It's almost like a get off my lawn. Tommy like <laughs> yeah. aged like ten years. He's like, What? <laughs> the fuck get out of here. <laughs> and she, she's like, Tommy, open the door. He's like, Nah, fine. Taking his sweet old time. Meanwhile, the the shape is not, he's walking pretty brisk. Yeah. He's walking and, and she's hitting the door and we see Tommy just kind of like rubbing his eyes. He's like, oh my God, I have to deal with this girl again. <laughs> I'm like, dude, open the door. You're, you were scared as shit earlier. Open the freaking door. And he opens it. She gets in. The shape doesn't get her. Whew. But. Danger's over, right? But. But no. The, she locks the door, but the side window is open, and the in you know, he's already, he's in the house. He's in the house. He's in the house because a normal man would have taken time. He didn't take time because he's not a normal man. He's evil. He's already in the house. She tries to defend herself by grabbing one of her huge ass knitting needles. He has her dead to rights because he's behind the couch. Surprises her, takes a stab again, misses. This time, I think he legitimately misses. He just like didn't he didn't gauge it properly. Nobody said he was an expert. It's a pretty great aggressive stab. Yeah, it's a, I'm I'm trying to get you stab. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing for Lori is like there's space behind the couch. You see the window open. You literally just saw this guy. You didn't think maybe maybe he's behind the couch. Well, no. Uh, not only do I don't want to check behind the couch, I'm gonna get my back to it. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so she arms herself with the needle. Luckily, he misses, but now he's in a vulnerable state. Sas cabron. She gets him right <laughs> in the side of the neck. And he pulls the, and she gets him. She pulls the needle out. He falls to the ground. He drops the knife as well. The greatest drop ever. Oh, yeah. He just, <laughs> <laughs> just like her plumps. Um, oh, it's so great. I mean, yeah, it continues. Uh, she, she has his knife. She checks on him. He's dead. She drops the knife. She goes, check on the kids. But one thing you know about these movies, you know about him now. He's if you think he's dead, he's never dead. Never. And if he's a man, he'd be dead. He's not a man. So here he comes up the stairs, scares the kids the shit out of the kids. Tommy and Lindsay scream. She puts him back in the room. <laughs> he's coming. It's like dun 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 dun. She doesn't know what to do. She's upstairs. She's kind of cornered. So she thinks to lock herself in the closet. And she locks herself in. You know, inside, as best you can lock yourself, she kind of just ties these two, like, doors that fold in, and he's going to get her. It's, yeah. He, he, as you're watching, you're like, she has nowhere to go. She is cornered. She's in yeah. a closet with no, and he's got the knife. So, oh, so beautifully shot. He's trying to get her, breaks the, you know, he can't, he can't, he's not strong enough to just force open the door. The, no. So, no, screw it. He breaks it, breaks the shit out of it. He's going to get her. He's like, it's all dark, but he, in his grabbing and stuff, he like flicks open the light. It's Which like, I love. It's such a natural like. Do you have it? Oh, I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we see. This iconic Good him busting right through. So great. The light's on for only a minute. She has the, you know, wherewithal to grab a hanger, undoes it, stabs him in the eye. He drops the knife and then she has. She gives it to him good at that point. I'm getting really excited. I'm hitting everything. She gives it to him really good, stabs him, and he's definitely dead now, right? Okay. Leave the knife behind again. Got to leave the knife behind again. Now she's like, okay, I'm hurt. I, I need you guys out of the house because the killer's in here. So she sends the kids to go to down to the McKenzie's. McKenzie's. Don't call the police. Or do what I say. <laughs> this is just an impression. <laughs> um, 
Remember I told you about Loomis waiting at the Myers house. He has now made his way down the street because he found the car. So he's looking. He doesn't know what he's looking for. But when he happens to cross paths with the house, these kids, Tommy and Lindsay, run out screaming. And he gives one of those like, well, kids wouldn't just run out screaming. I am looking for a killer. Let me go check out the house. They left the door open. He goes in. uh, But what do we see happen? The shape. Sit up. Yeah. Behind Lori. Behind Lori in the foreground, kind of blurred out. Again, an iconic thing that's been taken from The Undertaker and so many (laughs) others since. (laughs) And he'll be the first to tell you. He's like, that's The Undertaker is a famous wrestler. He's like, that's how I, that's where I drew inspiration from. Absolutely. It's like otherworldly presence. And now the shape is like, I've been stabbed. I've been, you know, stabbed a couple of times in the neck, in the eye, in the chest. He doesn't even get the knife. He just is like, all right, I got to I gotta get away from this knife business. So he just <laughs> Back decides. To strangulation. To, yeah. I got to go to my bread and butter. Goes right behind Lori, starts strangling her. And in that moment, Loomis is coming up the stairs. Lori is still fighting for her life, manages to get the mask off. And we get our first human glimpse of Michael. Right. Which is uh, eye puffy because he just got stabbed in the eye. Yeah. And that is important because Loomis wouldn't know to shoot him. He sees in the little light that's there, he sees there he there he is. There's Michael. Michael puts on the mask. Put on the mask, dude. I don't give a shit what you're going to put on. You're about to get the business. Bop. Loomis starts, sa, 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 just starts. <laughs> shoot, well, he shoots him once. Michael recoils, and then Loomis the, follows him, and it's yeah. so, oh, you, t- you love this shot. Yeah, he goes back into the room, and the way it's shot, you just get like this really dark version of Michael with this silhouette, and it reminds me of like old 1950s monster movies where it's just this being that you got to go, and you get... Loom is coming in and it's this great face to face because it's our first face to face with these two. And just the way this room is shot and everything is shot, it's just, it's more of a monster flick at this one particular moment. And that I love so much. And then Loomis gives him more of yeah, the business. He empties the clip. He or the the revolver. He shoots him five right. more times and Michael falls off the second story down to the ground. We see him inevitably or like, you know, presumably on the floor dead yeah. with a huge moment in the score where it's like like almost like here you go mm-hmm. Lori and Loomis together for the first time Lori doesn't know who it is doesn't care at this point right. strangers have been trying to kill her what, what's what's cool I mean you have a stranger who just saved her life and Lori looks to Loomis in tears says was the was it the boogeyman or it was the boogeyman was the boogeyman yeah and Loomis in the gun smoke. As a matter of fact, it was <laughs> awesome. So it's, cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Let's go scoop up the body and let's, let's live our lives after this. But wait, the body's gone. Of he course took, it is. He took yeah. off. He's like, I ain't staying around for this shit. That shit hurt. I'm out of here. Yeah, he I'm done off. with y'all. Loomis gives this look. It's like, I am surprised this happened. But I'm not surprised this happened. Right. Great and acting choice on his part. What a wonderful movie. I had to walk you all through the final yeah. the final act just because it's so, so good. I love that your pace picked up just like the film does. Just like so much happens at the end. Boy, Lance, you know how much the suspense kicks up. Yes. But how much the action kicks up. It's like we've 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 set the table. Suspense is here. Right. But now we we're we're not we're going to serve you too. Yeah. That's something you don't get in films anymore is how much time this thing takes. 
there's so much tension and buildup and characters that you actually care about. There's no auxiliary characters in this one, uh, except for Bob, maybe. But And the caretaker at the... Yeah, but for the most part, you care about these characters to a point of like, I think uh, PJ Souls said she was in the theater once and somebody's like, yeah, that's what you get kind of a thing. Like people were rooting for people. People were rooting against some of these characters. Like there's just so much. And then at the end, you get such a brilliant payoff. And it all like to me really starts with the walk for Lori is when everything just is like, here we fucking go. Like you had a few kills at this point, some great things, but it's that walk and time's up. Time to play. Yeah. yeah. Time to play with the, with the, you're at the main boss, basically, which right. is Lori, which is who yeah. you, you, we assume you wanted the whole time. Right. Wonderful flick, Lance. This is the best movie of all time, in my opinion. My favorite movie of all time, and arguably uh, all those points, but not arguably, be, at least between us. It is the best movie in this franchise. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely my favorite. Um, you just can't compare it. and it sets up so much more that we love but you cannot compare this movie to really anything else i don't think um yeah because if you don't view the sequels it as a standalone was perfect in my opinion yeah totally perfect can't really touch to. it yeah. and again it holds up today like i watched this movie the other night i'm like this is still a great movie today there's a lot of movies in the franchise that are you can tell they're dated or you know just don't live up to what you can watch this and besides the 70s clothing yeah, I think the movie holds up and, and then right. the whole thing's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly think like you don't need to remake it. You don't need to refilm nothing. It's I mean, I, I think there's something to be said, like maybe, maybe the, sh- the, the, the shots that are stretched out. Some people might be attention spans might be a little low, but that's all nowadays. But yeah. That's on the people. That's not on the film. No, you know what I mean? And there's the a film. lot of seventies and eighties films where you're just like, Oh, this is from the seventies. This is from the eighties. This film, just the look and feel of it. You're like, if it wasn't for the clothing and the style would, and some of the, the lingo, you wouldn't fucking know. Totally. And that's what I love about this film. All right. What's your rating? I totally. That's Linda's line. I totally give this. Totally. Film, totally. There it is. Give this film out of five knives. Five. Ki- yeah. Five, five knives. kitchen knives. I give it 20. I give it five. Five. Absolutely five. There's no argument. We don't five need to we don't need to it get into that. Yeah. yeah. It is definitely the best film. Watch it if you have not. I know we just spoiled a lot of it, but it's so worth it. We've watched it twenty and, times. And, and even then we still miss some well, I know we miss some stuff that are are really cool too. Yeah. All right. Well, join us next time for Halloween two from nineteen eighty one. The best sequel in horror movie history. we'll see you next time this is slasher's paradise that's danny i'm lance peace 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 peace